Step into the exhibition of Mongolian and Tibetan art at the Indiana University Art Museum and prepare to be wafted to another place in time. Or not? WFIU's Yael Cassander has more. There's a formidable sentry at the front of the IU Art Museum's Special Exhibitions Gallery, and it's not one of those guards in a blue blazer. As you enter the room, a demonic red head on a pedestal all but screams, I'd turn back now if I were you. You know, the bulging eyes, the beetled brow, the, the fangs, the open mouth, and it radiates sort of tension. The mask that greets you upon entering the show would have been worn by a dancer performing a ritual in a Buddhist temple compound. They would perform dances at key seasons of the year to wring out the old, banish the demons, the controlling agents, the fates of the past, and ring in those fates for the new. Brian Bauman co-curated from the steppes and the monasteries, arts of Mongolia and Tibet. Even though the mask is terrifying, co-curator Judy Stubbs emphasizes that it's not meant to scare you. That's often the thing that people are struggling. Why are these things so frightening? And In fact, they're not meant to be. They are on your side. They're your superheroes temporarily reassured, perhaps, you take a step closer to examine one of the many Buddhist paintings displayed, known as tankas. The deity represented here is no less hellish. Both arms are up, holding weapons. Their feet are usually trampling some representation of some impediment to enlightenment. Often there are kind of ghoulish images, a necklace of heads, and their hair is flaming out as if it literally is in flames. So what is a figure like this doing in a tanka, an image displayed in the home or the monastery, meant to focus contemplation and foster enlightenment? What often startles people about Buddhist paintings is the what are called the wrathful deities. The wrathful versions are not angry at the believer. They're not angry in a sense of what we think of as demons or Satan, but they are your champions. So they're often very muscular, they radiate energy, their hair stands up on end, but that's all um, symbolism to get across that idea of their very muscular defense for you as the believer. Once we know that the demons are on our side, maybe we can relax and get into the show, which highlights art and artifacts associated with Buddhism in two geographically and politically distinct places. Buddhism, as it's practiced in Mongolia, has its origins in Tibet. So, in curating an exhibition showcasing a long-term loan to the museum of more than 150 Mongolian objects, Judy chose to include Tibetan pieces as well. Given the complicated nature of this material and the space that I was required to fill, I thought it might be a good idea to include some of the Tibetan material as well. The show encompasses domestic material as well as Buddhist imagery, both in painting and in objects, so sculpture, painting, and ritual objects. The line between the secular and the sacred is indistinct here. Certainly there are objects displayed that are purely utilitarian. Like uh, horse furnishings, horse whips, horse hobbles, and even including very early materials from the Bronze Age, some of the earliest date to the 8th century BCE. But other household objects belie the degree to which spirituality is integrated into daily life. These are called tzatzels. Co-curator Brian Bauman points out a pair of spoon-like objects. They're for making aspersions of milk. And to this day, Mongolian women in the morning will come out and they'll, they'll dip one of these things in milk and throw that milk up into the air in gratefulness to the four directions that give us this order. 
that allow us to have this order over chaos. A lot of the things in the collection are about orientation and governing time and space. Without maps and without clocks and without all of these things, people would organize their lives relative to heaven. While directed heavenward, it's the object's earthbound qualities that provide a real portal into these distant cultures. Judy pauses in front of one of the many colorful paintings lining the gallery's walls. It's a tanka. They are usually painted on paper, though sometimes on fabric, though probably hemp rather than linen. And then they're sewn to a backing of decorated silk. They're usually very colorful, using mineral pigments, and they're usually extremely active figures, you know, projecting into space. They're, you know, both arms are up, holding weapons. Their feet are usually trampling some impediment to enlightenment. The tanka may have hung in a monastery or a home, serving as a visual aid for one's meditation. Primarily through this kind of material, the practice is visualization, that one interiorizes the message by contemplating the image. I mean, these are not something that were painted for tourists or never used. They were an act of worship for probably years. The fact that the tankas were very much in use became immediately apparent when the curator first unrolled them. When you opened the scrolls, they'd been packed up for a long time. Uh, it smells like a campfire. That most evocative of smells is a trace of the oil lamps used to light the homes where the tankas had hung. And these were the principal source of light. It would be yak butter that was burned much like any other kind of oil lamp. And, of course, that's smoky and it's slightly greasy. And you can see from many of the images that you know smoke rises and it adheres to the surface of the paintings. Somehow, the soot and smoke left on the tankas have conspired to transport us into the domestic context in which these images may have been used. A nomad's tent, say, lit by a yak butter lamp. Understanding context, it becomes possible to transcend alienation. Oh, there's another deity of a strange looking and funny colors or multiple heads or multiple arms. To arrive at reflectiveness. Even if it's something that they've never encountered, that there is some way of thinking about what they mean, how they work, what they do. In my own experience, how these things work and maybe come to a better understanding of, of what images are in, when they are used in any kind of practice. For WFIU, I'm Yael Cassander. From the steppes and the monasteries, Arts of Mongolia and Tibet is on view at the IU Art Museum through December 19th. See images from the exhibition on our website, wfiu.org arts.